Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. So what topic or topics do you consider to be difficult or sensitive, whether they're one-on-one with a colleague or at home or whether they're social topics, whatever comes to mind, and you can put in as many as come to mind, but would you put that in there? We're going to build a little word cloud on the fly here. The way the word cloud works, you probably, most of you know, is the more popular a particular word, the larger that word gets to be on the screen. Everybody have an opportunity to do this? Is everybody seeing that fill in the blank slide? So politics, big one. Politics still holds the number one spot there, as you can see right in the middle of the big, bold word. I just read something yesterday that uh, there's been a 25-year polarization that's been happening in politics. We're more polarized than ever. A research organization called Public Agenda studies and monitors social issues. The election was fun, but uh, I don't know that I'd want to really do that every day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd even use the word fun. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it. So you can see on your screen, politics is a big deal uh, as far as topics that are difficult or sensitive. Health, weight, race, and anger seem like they're right up there. Failure and conflict are pretty close with finances and ignorance. And then uh, a lot of the other ones uh, circling the, uh, the, the center there. And the reason I bring that up is because my question is, how do you have civil conversations around highly sensitive topics? And we say not easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, that, that, that's a good start. But really, because we all face this, we all deal with this. Um, you know, you, in fact, um, you know, we got the holidays coming up and you're going to have family members that, you know, I don't know about you, your families, but not every family agrees as a unit, right? A good friend of mine is, uh, was a very liberal Democrat and her family are staunch, I would even say on the progressive Democrat side. And, uh, and uh, she has become more her and her boyfriend both have become more moderate, they're more libertarian in their views. And so the holidays last year for them, highly explosive. <laughs> so there was a very, it was just very tense in the household because of those, those different views. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with one-on-ones? How do you deal with public discourse? How do you deal with difficult topics and still remain civil? Anybody have any ideas? I know with family, like what you were saying, I just would not say anything. <laughs> I would, uh-huh. when they would start attacking me or um, it would get too emotionally painful, I just leave the room. That was basically my life until my life fell apart and any little thing that anyone said to me caused the waterworks to happen. And once they realized what they were saying was hurtful, they changed. So, I think actually saying, you know, what you're saying is hurtful because it family does not mean to hurt you. Okay. So, um, 
speaking up and just letting others know that uh, you're affected by the conversation, the way it's being handled. And uh, that was one of the things you said. And the other was basically avoid it. Right. Yeah. But avoiding it only, you know, like the, it, there wasn't a time when I would go visit family that I wasn't holding back tears. Now my parents were here for two days and my one room apartment and I was up there for six weeks and it was fine. But they had to know that the words that they were using and the things that they were saying to me were actually hurtful, not mm. helpful. And a lot of times people don't know what they're saying. They think they're saying one thing. And like, for example, when my dad was, when I was up there, my dad said something about, um, if you're in a bad situation in life, it's because you made bad decisions. And I, and I looked at him and said, well, I guess I make a lot of bad decisions. And then he never talked about it again. So just kind of reflecting what they've said back to them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Avoiding this one way. I mean, if you're, if you're going to talk about politics, yeah, avoid avoid just let them go on and do their thing but if it's something that they're saying that's actually really hurtful to you because it's your character or your character or something have a voice speak up okay good thanks for sharing well who else i was just gonna say um can can we successfully find a way to not make it about our character uh, so that it's an attack directly on somebody's character. Can we successfully find a third entity in in the dialogue that says, this is what we think. Are we willing to have a playground which where nobody's right, nobody's wrong? Um, it's not that personal. So in other words, this is what our thoughts are. And not everybody's 100% accurate, especially when you're talking about politics. I mean, who studies politics? like that or who studies vaccinations or who studies i mean do you have you know all the right answers probably not so um you know maybe make it so that there's a a safe understanding that there's this center um playground of conversation that that won't be so personal on either side good yeah so take the uh character out of it well, who else? What what other ideas can we implement that would help us have difficult conversations in a civil manner? Amy, yes. Hi, Amy. Hey. Um, I think it's helpful to think about um, what the difference is between facts and viewpoints, right? Like you're entitled to your own viewpoint and we all need to respect that. But I think that there are times where you can't have, if people are going to disagree on basic facts, you're probably not going to get anywhere. And so, I mean, I have a half brother who, for example, thought that the January 6th insurrection on the Capitol slash coup attempt um, was the same as a protest where someone had lit a a limo on fire. Like, those are just facts, right? Like, he thought that this was some people who were peaceful. And I thought, well, they murdered people, so they weren't peaceful, right? And you can have, those are views, those are facts. And if you're going to disagree on the facts, like, we're not going to have a productive conversation. And I think understanding, too, like, what difference would it make? Right. Like I would like to change his viewpoint, but why? Like, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, like he has no authority over any of these things. I have no authority over any of these things. So if you want the relationship to continue, then you probably don't need to get into those things. And I think it's the same with like vaccines, for example. If if I feel like somebody should be vaccinated, I can choose not to be around them. But if it's somebody who lives on the other side of the world from me and I'm not going to be in the same room with them anyway, a discussion about vaccines probably isn't going to get anywhere. Right. And I think some of these things you have to just decide, pick your battles. 
you know, where it's really worthwhile to even have the discussion and where it's not, maybe, you know, you can talk about sports instead. I like that change. Use a topic. I like that idea. <laughs> okay. So avoid the topic, change the topic, choose, pick your battles. Mm-hmm. Now let's assume with the, let, let's assume you're in the dialogue. Let's assume you have a confrontation with two different ideologies or two different viewpoints. And it's around one of those sensitive subjects. And you do want the relationship intact because all of us here in this session, right? We're all the ones with higher self-awareness and possibly the other party. So it's, uh, it's up to us, right? We make the choice on how we're going to handle things the best of our ability. You know, I always say the, the more emotionally mature person takes the responsibility, right? But what kind of words, what kind of strategies can we use in building and maintaining the relationships while still being able to have a really healthy discussion because we don't want to run necessarily. I mean, there's times we don't want to totally avoid hard conversations. Sometimes you have to have them, but also we can all grow from very difficult conversations, right? So if that's, if that's the goal, how do we do that? What kind of strategies have you employed? Um, I will save you the big song and dance of what led to the situation over Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, but oh. As, as an in-law to the family to another in-law to the family, right? So as I like to say, we're both outsiders and usually outsiders find ways to stick together. In this case, it was not that at all. And a, a situation exploded right in front of me very quickly. I said, that's fine. You feel that way right now. I can feel the way you're coming at me. So I'm going to let you sit with that for a minute because I, I I knew that if I didn't stop and move away, not unlike, you know, avoid or, or, or try to change the topic, I knew that with, with what was coming at me, my reaction was going to be that of an old reaction of me ready to fight, ready to get into hardcore. It's not even conversation. It's, it's anchor. I removed myself. I took the dog for a walk and I came back to find the, the other person sitting in a totally different room. And my mother-in-law was there. So, I mean, what I decided in my walk was I have to have this conversation. I have to, this, this has gone on long enough. Clearly there's some things underneath here that need to need to come out. So when I got back to the house, I, I sat down right next to this person and I said, sorry, I'm like, I'll jittery because of it. I seem to have upset you. And she was like, you damn right. You did. Okay. I hear you're still angry. I want to know why. I want to know what I did and where it affected you and what turned into a brilliant two-hour therapy session to which she told me at the very end, I have not told anybody anything like this. And I had a text message from her the next day that said, I really appreciate the conversation we had. And all I did was you have a problem with something I did and that's okay. I want to know what I did to upset you so we can move forward. So we can continue because we're both outlaws into this family and we kind of need to stick together. We're going to have, we're, we're both around for presumably a long time. We kind of need to figure this out. And, and it was, it was great. She did like 99% of the talking. Here's where it came from. Here's where this, here's, where's that, here's this, right. And we went through this giant conversation of why. You know, and, and what the things that I did and how, you know, came into her life. And all I did was just just kept asking, you know, probing questions. You said that because of this. 
why is that right and just kept moving it around just to to get a really clear understanding of why she was so upset with me and it actually at the end of the story had zero to do with me it was all just past traumas and past things that that affected her in different ways and i was a representation of some of those things and, and through very healthy conversation where i who i i talked tons was silent for most of it it was, it was really good. It was a great therapy session, but it came down to, I upset you. I recognize that. What do you, how, how, where, where do we go? That's great. Good story. How did she initially respond? In other words, because when you ask why to somebody, sometimes that's a little, can be inflammatory. I was I'm curious, how, was there a runway where she kind of like, you know, do it or did she like blast you or like how did that go i'm so curious it opened up with the blast okay right off right that's when i chose to remove because the blast was my old self wanting to respond with anger blast to blast okay when i sat back down to actually have the conversation uh she was still very very agitated the the energy that she was giving off was still very overpowering and maybe why maybe i'm like not using verbatim conversation, right? Uh, I tried to apply some of the like Mark Gordon concepts, it's, you know, removing the self and removing the things and, and talking solely in not me and you or the whys and, and the, the conversations that lead to attack modes, but more, more from a place of love and honesty and respect. But I did open it up with, I seem to have upset you. I would like to know more. And, 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 and then the whys come in with that. And it, it actually started off as a very angry, these are all the things it's been like this for this long. I feel like this about you. And, and so it was definitely a higher escalation, but through my ability to actually stay silent, which like I said, as a talker is, is a difficult task. She went through this two hour story of you know, childhood and things that affected her and the trauma she brought forward and, and the fact that she still has walls up to, to even her husband, my brother-in-law, my, my wife's brother, and, and why and how, and she's recognizing all these things. So it was like the ability to take her from the space just through conversation her having with me, right? I was doing little to no talking. She acknowledged her response to me was from all these other things. And, and so we went from, you know, let's say she went from a 10 to to a two in minutes and, and cried several times and we laughed several times and it, it was really good but like i said where did it come from it started with a clash and it opened up with still knowing that clash was existing i mean it had only been you know 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever so i took the opportunity to go away she didn't take the same opportunity whether or not that's what she needed to do that's not my business i i just walked into knowing it could go any whichever way, right? Knowing she could still be ready to fight or not be ready to talk or not whatever. And I was okay with that. But I wanted to acknowledge to her that I recognized it. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. 
Now, back to the program. I like there's a lot of trust in the space. Trust of yourself, trust of yourself, and then her trusting that it was safe for her to, you know, speak those things. So Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. Well done. Awesome. And, uh, and Randall, as you described your situation or you handled, uh, you handled it magnificently and you actually employed two of the blind spot rules. Um, one of them is that, uh, relationships are more important than winning. So that's just a flat out rule that we, you know, we speak about. And the other one is, uh, humility trumps pride every time. So you went in there with that humble, you know, I feel I have done something right. Whether you did or didn't, didn't you? That's not even the point. But you diffused the the uh, the situation by taking that approach. It was is powerful. Great great outcome too. Yeah, good job. Who else? Any other any other examples? Uh, you know what what else can we do to have difficult conversations? And other than again avoid them, what can we do? And and while you're thinking about that, Keith, I want to acknowledge I've caught a little bit of the chat messages, but uh, yeah. It's, it's easier to have rational conversations with rational people. It's hard to have rational conversations with irrational people, right? Yeah. I think you, you hit on a key word there, respect. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a dying concept in some ways in public discourse. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, can't you respect and not respect somebody, the same person simultaneously? Is that possible? Oh, that was a good one, Kev. Wow. That question, the dichotomy of can you respect and disrespect? Because, you know, I'm, respect is a tough word for me just because, well, for whatever reason, but it isn't black and white. Now that you mentioned that, I, I, I would agree there that it, it isn't actually black and white. Maybe it's percentages. So let's say if you respect somebody 80% of the time, you can be their friend. But if you respect somebody 10% of the time, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) But is that, is it respect or is it agreement? I mean, like if, if I agree with someone 80% of the time, I might be able to be pretty compatible with them, but I can respect somebody as a person a hundred percent of the time, right? Like even if I disagree with them, I can. You have that rule. So words are attached to or assigned to rules that we uphold that we've lived our life by because we were imprinted in some way. But so that's your that's your definition of respect. My my definition may be a little different. Yeah, it's down to definitions. Like as a writer, definitions of words are really important. And what's amazing is in the English language, the same word can have multiple definitions because it multiple meanings to different people, you know. Like you're saying with respect, I, how much do I agree with you is based on whether or not I respect you or do I respect you as a person because I see other things about you that I, I find respectful. Interesting. And and Mark, um, jump in and share what you're going to share here. Just a moment. I put another link in the chat, different link. Um, after Mark, we want to share what your, uh, what your thought was there. Let's define respect. You're right. It's a hard word to define. It's everybody's probably got a little bit different definition, but take a, take just a moment and put in what you think is a good definition for respect. I don't mean like go to dictionary.com, copy and paste. What does it mean to you? 
What does it mean to you? Yeah. What is respect? How, how would you define respect? So, Kevin, is it respect of others or being respected? Like which, how should we, or in general, like it's the word in general. Or, however, however you want. Yeah. We can break down respect very granularly. So let's, let's just start at this high level, right? Mark, did you want to interject something on that last comment? Well, I just, I got lots of thoughts going on, but, uh, the, the one about respect, there's another word I'd like to introduce and that's honor. Mm-hmm. You can disagree with somebody's position or not respect their position, but you still, if you're a person of honor, you still honor the person. So you have to separate behavior or opinion from personhood. And the problem is we often attach person, like we attach an opinion or a position with the personhood of that person. And so it, it, when you do that, you instantly disqualify them or cancel them as popular term today is cancel culture. You cancel them out and it's that, that doesn't get you anywhere. So respect, you can respect someone and not respect the position they've taken. Um, but we need to treat each other that's behavior with honor. So what you're saying basically is to you, the word respect means honor. Uh, I see them as close cousins. Like I think they're intrinsically connected, but I think, no, that's why I introduced it as a separate word. I think there's another level. Maybe it's a, another level of respect is to be, is to honor people. Uh, you can yeah. honor, you can honor them for their position or you can honor them as a person, as a, as a fellow sojourner and humanity. But I think when you choose to be an honorable person, it's very difficult to disrespect somebody. Honor is uh, the word that Aristotle used for respect. Um, and then he even quoted uh, scripture references about honoring your mother and father. Uh, Confucius says that honoring your parents and your, your uh, siblings, in other words, your family unit, is paramount. It's, the, uh, it's, it's foundational right, to understanding respect and honor. Right. Um, well, I have family members that are very different in opinions about things. Um, but we choose relationship over the issues and by, we do that by honoring each other, regardless of what one's position is, then you can have harmony in the family and still have great Thanksgiving holidays. It was because of Randall's position he took that humility position because he, he honored that in-law by allowing them to share their heart. And as soon as you do that, you win, uh, in a sense, it's not win loss, but you both win. It's a win win. So that's just my thought on that. Also, you know, Keith was saying about irrational, by the way, I'm not sure you're respecting somebody to call them loony for their position. Um, but, uh, he was mentioning, you know, if somebody is completely irrational, then you got to know there's a cause and effect going on. There's something deeper within them that is going on that has nothing to do with that particular hot button issue. And so you, you always, I think we can help ourselves if we remind ourselves that there's a cause and effect, there's a reason that person is taking such a hard stance or an irrational stance on a certain thing. There's blind spots in that, you know, like uh, anchoring as a bias, for example, right? Sometimes we just get anchored in our belief system and we're not open to counter, you know, in uh, counterintelligence or other information that would change our beliefs. Yeah. Like and, here, uh, yeah. Here in Canada, uh, you know, the vaccination 
vax unvax I mean, yeah it was it was an issue that people talked about but it wasn't this absolute division 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 until the provinces issued vaccine passports and said anyone that's unvaccinated cannot go into a restaurant or do a number of things then it became a huge divisive uh issue that people are you know not seeing family not you know they're they're pointing at each other to become this issue that is really heated it's not the vaccination it's the i'm not allowed to participate in society because i make this choice well and what's interesting shannon is that it it wasn't the individual people my neighbors that caused that division it was the marketing and the propaganda whatever side i'm not picking a side on that it's the propaganda machines that go with social media and everything that actually created the divisiveness and then we got caught up in it so how do we remove ourselves from that and still be able to have good relationships with people so my I have uh, two grown kids. One's my daughter's younger. She's married. She's got a baby. My uh, um, both my kids were uh, heading to Bend, Oregon, which is a mountain town in or middle of Oregon, uh, for Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, my daughter and her husband live in Houston. They had bought their plane tickets to fly in for Thanksgiving. Uh, the uh, the in law side of that, they were all converging. Uh, it's my ex wife, so I wasn't going to be there. But uh, they were all converging, and uh, and my son told me the story just this few days ago that uh, everything blew up. My daughter and her husband had to change their plans, and now my daughter, my ex, and my son and their families are getting together separate from the brother-in-law and his families because the brother-in-law, whose home that the Thanksgiving dinner in Bend was going to be at, just made a blanket statement that if you're not vaccinated, you're not welcome in our home. And my daughter challenged him on that stance because they were they were rigid. They stuck their foot, you know, feet into the sand, and and basically everybody had to change their plans. And so they're no longer doing Thanksgiving together as a family unit. And my daughter challenged uh, her uncle about that, uh, you know, that move, and came out of that conversation. I don't remember the details of the conversation, but came out of that conversation and basically said, you know what, they're oblivious. They made a decision without even contemplating the ramifications of their decision and how that would impact everybody else in the family. And so, yeah, so back to Keith's comment, right? So they, you, you know, unilaterally made potentially a really irrational decision without thought. Well, what is an irrational decision? That's a decision without thought. Um, so they made it, they made a decision that impacted a lot of people, um, without thought or concern as to what would happen to the relationships. But there is some rationality for, in their opinion, because they're coming at it from a place of fear and a place of trying to make everyone they love go and get back. We had the same. Oh, you don't know. We don't know that. Okay. Well, we had the same issue here where um, my parents were here. They hadn't seen my son in two years, but because my son has only got one of the shots and not both of the shots, they wouldn't see him in indoors. So I wasn't allowed to have him here. So we had to go walk out in the rain for an hour at night in order to have, and they hadn't seen him for two years because, so I was talking to my son and I was like, well, how do you feel about that? And he goes, you know, I respect that they've got this. Grandpa's been watching too much TV. He's watching the news too much. I get that. It's not him. It's just, it's the way it is. So we're just going to go and do this. But in their mind, it is rational. 
because they are coming from a place, place of fear. Whereas people that are saying that they're, they don't want the vaccination, that's also they're coming at it with, with their rationality. It's each side thinking that the other side is irrational. That's the problem because they're not willing to listen to what the other side is actually trying to say. Therein lies the key. Stuck in your opinion, stuck in your belief, and not being open to new information, not well, seeking out new information. It really shows like my dad had no respect for my son, yet my son has all this respect for their where they are and, and seeing where they're coming from. And it all has to do with him understanding with where, where they were coming from mm. and them not listening to you know, where he's coming from. Good insight. Hey, by the way, uh, side note, if you haven't noticed your screen changed, Phil, you know, go ahead and take a moment and put a, put some other synonyms on the screen that, uh, you know, we talked about respect could be also synonymous for honor in some ways, or at least close cousins. What else is kind of, what else comes to mind when you think in the term respect that might be a synonym for that? Shannon, what you just said about your son was interesting. It, he actually respected your parents' feelings mm -hmm. and put his beliefs out of the system. Yeah, because I told him, hey, why don't you just tell me you had two vaccinations? Like, yeah. I'll we'll we'll just finish that thought for a second. But isn't that where a lot of us don't do that? We don't respect the other person's feelings. We just think about ours to protect ourselves and our beliefs. The moment we shift focus and energy on the other person and just let it go, we can actually start creating a conversation. In the rain at eight o'clock at night in Vancouver in the cold, yeah. But that, that took a lot of honor from your son to do that and for your parents. And that's that's character. lots of character. A lot of character, yeah. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of character for your, for your son to do that. And that's where those conflicts start diffusing because he could have taken a different stance and then it could have been another four years that they wouldn't see each other. And that's that key is how do you let go of that anger or that belief that you have on that moment? Randall, like kudos, kudos to you mm -hmm. for Thanksgiving way of uh, dealing with it. And, uh, you know, I think we all have that, right? The in-law situation or the whatever's happening, we all have that. But the way you approached that was just wonderful. So thank you. I want to hear more about from Mark, though, about the kind of words that you can use in order to diffuse a situation or... Like Randall was saying, he used he used Mark's words. Like he used whatever you said there, Randall, because Mark is you know you really you are the relationship coach, and you you really have put in some really interesting ways for people to communicate um, in order to diffuse conflict, in order to in a respectful way and respect other people by listening. Yeah, I think before Mark, before you start, I think Kevin, we should have a mentee between what Mark says and what Keith says. I'd love to see the differences there on, on respect <laughs> and what words Keith uses. Keith, I had to get you back for the little jab at me. So there you go. <laughs> if you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Uh, that's funny. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that we've we've mentioned a lot of things, but the, I think the I always, I always believe taking the position of curiosity rather than judgment is always a good thing. And I think people will ask me all the time, well, what's how do you know when you know? And I always say, well, the tipping point is does it har- is it harming you and others, or is it helping you and others? And I think once the conversation gets to a place where it's going to harm yourself or others, then you're at a tipping point to say, I need to maybe back off and listen. Um, and so I statements are golden. That's why that worked for Randall, because he was using an I statement. Uh, I, I think when you combine an I statement with, with seeking understanding, I always say you want to listen with your heart, not your pain. People ask, what do I mean by that? Well, often we, when we're reactive, you know, anger, anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a first emotion. It's a secondary emotion. So underneath the layer of that is probably uh, regret, uh, you know, or uh, could be, um, you know, some deeper feeling towards that person or the issue. That's why I say there's always cause and effect. And so um, if we can get beneath the surface, we could actually get to the root of why they believe what they believe, you're going to have a greater understanding. And even if you still disagree, you can have a lot more compassion about the fear that may, they may be in, or fear is one of those below the surface, below anger. Um, resentment is below anger. Uh, you know, for example, with the COVID thing, I mean, I could be talking to somebody and I don't even know, maybe they lost a relative to COVID in the, the recent history. And so they're going to be very strong about vaccines. My daughter-in-law is very, very, you know, uh, diligent about vaccines and her dad is very anti-vaccine. Well, her dad's almost died last week in the hospital with COVID. So she thought that must mean that he's going to change his view. Actually, it strengthened his view because <laughs> he said, now I have natural immunity so I can I'm going to be okay. And so, but he came through it, but it was interesting because it really scared her. And what he wasn't understanding was, is that she was terrified of losing her dad. And so as soon as I talked to him and told him that, like what's beneath the surface of your daughter's uh, dogma, you know, about this. And he's, you know, he says, well, she listens to all that left-wing news. And I said, no, how about, how about she's scared to lose her dad? Because she loves you, and right away, it broke the situation. So, I always say you got to get to the heart of the matter. So listen, listen to understand, and and speak from the heart, not from the pain. When you speak from the heart, you can assertively say, "Here, you use eye language. This is how I feel about it, and this is why I'm speaking from the heart." Um, but if I speak from the pain, I'm probably going to be very edgy and and dogma. So. I just want that. That's kind of my position. In is I, I want to listen. I want to use eye language. I want to listen to understand, and I want to take a curiosity position rather than a judgment one. Uh, often people, uh, you know, I use the word discernment. Sometimes you you want to discern the deeper issue, and so people say, well, "What's the difference between discernment and judgment?" You kind of have to have some judgment within discernment. And here's how you can tell: uh, if you're judging, you're probably more concerned with how it's affecting you. If you're discerning, you're probably more concerned about what it does to them. And so you have their best interest in mind. You're probably discerning, hey, this behavior or this attitude is probably not helping you. 
and I really care about you. So I want you to be successful or I want you to be able to communicate your position in a healthy way. And so I just want you to know when you say it that way, it kind of rubs people the wrong way or it's set, you know, triggers, whatever, because now you have their best interest at heart or judgment is, Hey, when you say that you're making me look bad, that's kind of what I mean by that kind of thing. So the tipping point is, is it helping me and others or is it hurting me and others? And if it's hurting me and others, then it's time to reevaluate our conversation. And I have a, I have a question. Um, so let's go back to the gentleman you just described. So let's say he knows that, that it's she's coming from a place of loving her father and he still doesn't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Well, then I think yeah, that's fair. It, it's fair. And I think he, he, but he needs to communicate in a different way. See, this is usually a communication problem, not, you know, and so his communication needs to be around providing security for her or safety. And for, I'll give you know, even my own direct family. Might, what if he cannot? Well, he, 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 you can't control other people or convince them of anything. They have to, but they can choose relationship over the issue. And so I would, in that case, I would say, listen, I want you to know I am taking what I believe is safety steps to keep me safe. I realized that I got COVID. There was a reason he got it, by the way. It wasn't his neglect. It was actually his son. So she's now the brother and sister of fighting. Of, but anyway, um, and so he, he, he did know that he had to be safe. And so he didn't go out very much. He wore a mask. He took other precautions that he thought were appropriate. So I just said to him, you just need to tell her you're doing your best, but you love her and you want, you'd rather focus on relational issues rather than than COVID issues. And um, so he did have that conversation with her and it did take the sting out of it. And, you know, I mean, she was the one that, you know, is there to support the family when they're, her mom has illness too. So there's a whole other piece to this, but um, so she, she kind of lives in fear over losing her parents because of their health. Um, so she has a good reason. My point is, is that it's not what, what position would it be for me to tell her, oh, your, your vaccine opinion is just too strong or it's too this when she's actually living it. That's the problem. I think sometimes we, we don't understand somebody, you know, a person with an argument doesn't have anything over a person with an experience. So we got to respect people's experiences that maybe got them to that place of fear. Maybe it's not valid. Maybe it's not whatever. Maybe it is irrational, but we have to understand that they've experienced something we haven't. And we need to at least slow down enough to honor that and to be curious and find out what the deeper issue is and then support them emotionally in that place. I can support somebody without agreeing with their position on something. I can support them as a human, as a, as a neighbor, as a friend, as a coworker, I can, I can support them emotionally and in their personhood without supporting their position or their opinion. You can separate those two things. Well, the thing that goes back to your comment about the, uh, the word honor, right? So we can honor the humanity. You know, we can honor people's, uh, you know, choice to be wrong. If they want to be wrong, they can be wrong. That's their choice. And, uh, and we can be wrong and that's our choice, but that's, uh, I think that's the, I think that's the fundamental principle to take away from this concept is that, it, you know, we can have, I think we can have civil conversations 
if we can start with that one basis right there of let's honor one another's uh, uh, right to be, to have our opinions and, and be right or wrong. And let's work through and agree that when in the end, the relationships really matter. Whether it's a, you know, you'll never see the person again. That's, you know, it does, that's, it's, you know, sort of beside the point because they're still a, a fellow human being, right? And, uh, and we can still honor that they have an opinion. And so let's, 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 let, let's agree that we can have a civil discourse and we may still totally disagree at the end of it, but we can do it civilly. We can do it and still, uh, respect one another and not destroy one another's self-esteem mm-hmm. and go after their character assaults and, you know, uh, call them names like Keith did before he left. Just kidding. Keith, I think. Oh, it's for you. I, I think also we have to understand, like respecting someone. Yes, it's a behavior, but also it's a value. So, you know, I I want to be respectful person. I think Dana asked that question. I, if I'm a respectful person and I'm going to treat people with respect, it has nothing to do with their behavior. It has to do with me being a respectful person. You know, one of my highest, I have, you know, some hold to some very strong values in my life, those values trump my opinion <laughs> because they form my opinion, but they, they also have to trump my opinion in some ways. Like, so I, I'm a, I, honor is one of my highest values. I got to be an honorable person because I'm honorable. I'm not honorable because somebody deserves it. I'm, I'm an honorable person because that's what I choose to be. And so that I treat people with honor, regardless of what our opinions are different. And so I think that's important to understand too. Some of these relational values that we can have can actually help form the way we treat people. It can actually give us formation in how we interact with people. Good, Mark. Mark, um, just a thought. When you, you know, you said, um, speak from the heart, not the pain. And you just talked, you just spoke about honor right now as well. And we're, we're talking respect. What really comes up for me right now is we can speak from the heart as long as it's coming from love and care. Because there's the opposite of heart of that bad feeling that you can come across as well. And I think yeah, that's the pain. Yeah. It, it's coming from a place of you can respect or not respect, like or not like, agree or not dis- or disagree. But just coming from a good place from your heart, you can get through that conversation. It'll show up in, in that feeling and it'll be, the energy will just be present and you can get through it. And we've experienced that quite a bit. Yeah. I think you're, yeah. And, the, and how do you tell the difference sometimes, you know, cause it feels very real. Um, but I think the, when you speak from the heart, it's coming from who you are as a person. And so for example, if I speak from my heart, I'm, I'm much better positioned to tell the person what hurt me. I'm speaking from my heart. I want you to know that I feel really hurt and wounded when you say things like that, or when, when we have that kind of conversation, that's speaking from the heart, but speaking from pain is like, you always do this. You never do that. You, and, and that's speaking from the pain. So although yes, it's certainly expressing the pain in your heart, it's not going to resolve. It's not going to actually uh, deescalate to the point where you can understand each other. You get to, you don't get, it'll actually prevent you from being able to share your heart. How many times have we felt misjudged or misunderstood? And it's, we, we get frustrated by that. And it's only, the only reason is because we never get past that 
pain language to be able to actually explain our heart. And if somebody truly listens to understand and hears your heart, it actually is a good place. It's not coming from a bad place. It comes from a good place. And even when you're expressing the most deepest pain to somebody, when you do it from your heart rather than from your emotions, what happens is it, it, you'll be heard much louder and, and there'll be compassion released, I believe. I, now, I'm not, you know, this is generalizing. I'm not, you know, narcissist or sociopath, not going to care, but I'm saying just in a regular, in a, in a healthy relationship, that's what happens. You can explain. So my wife can tell me when she's hurting and even when I cause that hurt, because I give her space and grace, I call it space and grace. I give her space and grace to be fumble around with her words until she can get to the heart. If we can give that, extend that to people, what happens is it, it's really healthy because, you know, she may start off not saying it right. She's be, maybe she is using new language and whatnot, but if I can give her space and grace and enough time, she'll eventually get to the heart part. And then I can hear her heart and then I can say, oh, I'm so sorry, honey, that I sent you that relational message. That's not what I meant at all, right? Because it gives me an opportunity to explain then without being defensive. Is that how you were when you first got married? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was an addict and, a, and an alcoholic, and I was a mean SOB. I was the narcissist, if you will, uh, in that story. I was mean and angry, whatever. It was in our healing journey. I'm very fortunate. Sandy and I had split up for, we just had our 38th anniversary in June, but we had split up for a few months there and uh, because of my addiction. And, and it was actually hitting bottom and then starting my recovery journey. And then we decided we wanted to heal together. And so it was that, that's where we learned all these relational principles is in our healing journey. It took, well, I mean, we're still in it, but it, it, that's where I learned these principles was that we would fight, we would argue and fight and, and you language and attack and defend and whatever all the time. We could never get anywhere. It wasn't until we, until somebody, we got some counsel and some help that we realized, oh, I, I completely misread her heart this whole time. And as soon as I heard, by the way, as soon as my ears were open to her pain, it changed my position completely. I became much softer with her. I became much more open to hearing because I realized, wow, her pain started way before she met me. And all I was doing was dogpiling. And as soon as I realized that, I moved from being the accuser to being the healer. As soon as we understand somebody's heart, when we listen to understand and we hear their heart, we change from defensive mode to helper. And, and that's what we do. And so when you listen to somebody's heart and you can hear the cause and effect and below, like I said earlier, you actually shift your position from being, you know, combative to being a helper. And so it really helps that way. But no, listen, Dana, I, I speak in ideals <laughs> because I'm a educator. That's, you know, I have to, I, I'm teaching principles. It's, I always say it's simple, not easy. It takes a lot of work to get there in a relationship. I was just asking because I I just had a curiosity. Yeah, yeah. No, we. I was. Uh, I I did everything opposite to what I now coach people to do. Hmm. <laughs> That's how I learned. I learned from messing it up, not from, not from getting it. <laughs> it's been a great conversation, and uh, we started out. How do you 
handle difficult, sensitive topics in conversation. We've got a, we made a lot of ground. I mean, we could probably talk about this and, and come up with more strategies throughout another hour or two easily, uh, because it is a very uh, hot topic, if you will. And so uh, let's take what we learned today. And a couple of the points, uh, you know, numerous points came out, but a couple of them just remember this is if you use like Mark said, use I words, not, not you words. Uh, that, that helps diffuse, uh, like Randall, you know, take the humble approach and remember humility trumps pride every time. And when it's all said and done, doesn't matter what you accumulate in this world. The only thing we have that really we can hang our hats on are our relationships. So relationships are more important than winning. So with that in mind, it is the top of the hour. It's been great. It's been another great conversation. Thank you all for coming and bring your friends next time. Let's build this. Let's make it a bigger group. Let's get more perspectives, more unique perspectives input into this kind of, these kind of conversations. Until, uh, until next Thursday, you guys all make it a great week and thanks for coming. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.